Welcome to episode 26 of the Retronym Podcast, and today I'm going to be talking about Final Fantasy XII. Alright, it's finally time to tackle this behemoth of a game. Or is it a behemoth of a game? Ha ha ha. Funny jokes. Funny Final Fantasy jokes. But I am going to talk today about a little game, or an entirely massive game, known as Final Fantasy XII. Boy, let's go ahead and talk about this. So, Final Fantasy XII is a big game. I remember very specifically playing the Final Fantasy XII demo that came with Dragon Quest VIII, which was released on the PS2 a little bit before that. And there was a demo included, so I was like, oh, Final Fantasy game? I like Final Fantasy at this time, because I had already gone through, you know, 10... A little bit of 10-2, a little bit of 8, finished 7, I think, at this time. This is a big Final Fantasy phase for me. And I think Advent Children came out around this time. So, obviously, you know, I'm really feeling the Final Fantasy bug. So, Final Fantasy 12 demo disc? All right, let's go ahead. I I booted that bad boy up, put about 10 seconds into it, and I was like, whoa, okay. This is not what I'm used to. This is completely different. I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I immediately ejected that demo disc and started up Dragon Quest VIII and had a grand old time playing through that significantly. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of that has transferred over to my enjoyment of the game today. So Final Fantasy XII originally released in 2006 in both Japan and North America for the PlayStation 2, directed by Hiroyuki Ito, Hiroshi Minagawa, produced by Yasumi Matsuno and Akitoshi Kawazu, uh... Those are those are names I recognize mostly because I saw them in the credits of this game. I'm sure they've done other cool stuff. Final Fantasy XII is considered to be like one of the best games in the entire franchise. I totally get that. Like this is this is a game that people love. I get that. Like this is the one that introduced the world of Ivalis or Ivalis. I'm not really sure how it's supposed to be pronounced. It's got just a. It's got a great story. It's very politically like. I don't want to say heavy-handed because that sounds kind of kind of negative, but I'm not trying to be negative in like the story route. Like it's a very political story. It feels like it would just be one of those great novels that you could just sit down and dig into and just digest like all of the stuff that's coming to you. Okay. Well, first before I get into my opinion, let me just talk about the game. So it takes place in Ivalis. Uh, the story follows a young orphan named Vaughn who dreams of becoming a sky pirate. Of course, Vaughn's not necessarily the main character. Necessarily, if you if you look at it, like there's other characters that are considered like the main characters. Vaughn is, as people have put it, like the C-3PO and Pinello's like the R2-D2 or, you know, switch it around. That, that's their role in the story. Like they're prominent, but not the main protagonist, if that makes any sense. And it'll make sense to everybody listening to this because everybody's going to disagree with me about my opinion anyway, but I digress. That's it. You have a whole cast of characters. You're following Princess Ash, the rightful heir to the Damascan throne. Damascan is such a cool name that it's just like every time they say it, it's like Damasca. And I was like, oh, that's that's a cool name. And the throne is under the occupation of the Arcadian Empire. Together, they embark on an adventure to liberate their homeland and uncover the truth behind the mysterious Nethesite powerful material with the ability to destroy entire cities so right there great plot awesome van he wants to be a sky pirate he's completely unimportant in the game he's like 
I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking this in terms of like Final Fantasy 13. He's like, uh, this, the, I don't know. The, the boy in Final Fantasy 13. It, it's, it's interesting. He's just kind of like a no nowhere character. Ash, she's the the princess. She feels closer to being the protagonist. She feels more like a Yuna type character. Like obviously in Final Fantasy X, you have Titus and you have Yuna. Titus is, I, I guess, the main character. But Yuna's like the character that everything revolves around. So like she is the main character, like the most important character. So you know, I, I guess if you're thinking like protagonist has to be the most important character, I don't know. Whatever your understanding of like character roles and whatnot, Ash feels like the character that everything revolves around. But then you also have some other characters. You have Bosch, he's a, a loyal knight that's famed for treason treason, and he seeks redemption and to restore honor to his name. I really like Bosch. I thought he was like a cool concept for a character, kind of like this disgraced knight who still wants the best for his kingdom. And I think, oh, that kind of loyalty, that, that's good. I like that. And then you have the two best characters in the game, Balthier and Fran. They are obviously like the, the, the most interesting characters. Balthier is basically the Han Solo of the adventure. He's a charismatic sky pirate with a, with a past that he doesn't necessarily want everybody to know. And he becomes a mentor to Vaughn in he's just too cool for school really and truly like his lines throughout the game are awesome and i i talked to paul about this a lot like every time he had a cool line i was able to quote you know a couple of them i was just like oh he's every single line that comes out of his mouth is excellent and he was telling me that the voice actor just loves the role and good on him like really they could have just made an entire spinoff series centered around balthier and they would have done great like everybody would have won it and then you have Fran, who's Balthier's partner. You originally think, okay, she's just, like, the fan service character. She's, like, this rabbit lady, and she's, like, one of the magical creatures in this world. Obviously, you think fan service. Okay, that's how it is. This game was released in 2006. That's just kind of how things are. But she turns out to be, like, a really, like, interesting character with probably, like, one of the better backstories in my mind, at, le- at least to me. Because it's so, like, intensely personal for her. Like, she's not... I don't want to spoil it, so... You know, you gotta play the game to really get her backstory. I think it's really good. Um, her voice actress initially graded on me a lot. And I think that was just a me thing, because... You know, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I was expecting, like, at least Xenoblade Chronicles level of, like, British voice acting. Or, well, rather, European voice acting. And that's not necessarily what you got with her, but the way that she speaks just sounds very, like, ethereal, and that makes a lot of sense for the character, because she's, like, a creature of the woods and everything, and she has, like, this, like, fairy-like voice, as you would expect it, but, like, a deeper fairy-like voice, I don't know, kind of like Gladriel, but, like, more, I don't know, nature-oriented, it's hard to really say, Uh, melodic, possibly, I'm not really sure how to describe it but she's just got a really cool voice like it's just one of those things like huh okay it's not necessarily what i expect to see from this character especially with her design like that but it's interesting like she's got an interesting voice so bothier and fran they're the best Pinello exists she isn't important moving on so this game okay here here's where i start to differ from people my criticisms and I got a few of them, okay? And whether or not this is, like, because of the, I played the Zodiac Age on Switch or whether it was in the original or not, you know, I can't really speak to that necessarily because I never really played the original in any capacity other than a demo disc. And, like, 
I actually got, I think, the Steelbook for Final Fantasy twelve on PS2 and never did anything with it. I think I just sat it on my shelf, and that was it. If they had a Steelbook back then, I don't know. I feel like it was a Steelbook, but maybe not. I could be wrong, but it was it was probably a fancy special edition. That That's all I can remember. But anyway, I feel like the Gambit system was just impenetrably complex and even though i looked up like what are the best gambits here and like oh okay this one sounds good and this one sounds good there was just no like coherent guide i could find that really explained everything to the point where i needed it as a matter of fact most of the guides online are specifically for the ps2 version with some updated for the zodiac age but if you look on game facts i don't even think there's like a single guide that's not just like a big HTML splash page that you have to scroll all the way down with no hot links and everything. And no, thank you. I did that in the early 2000s. I don't want to read a guide that doesn't have quick links to where I need to go. Like I want to be able to see like a list, like a directory. Like, no, thank you. Don't give me a guide that doesn't have that. But the Gambit system, like it's, it's a cool idea where you like automate as much as you can in order to kind of take that super deep thinking away from you so you can focus on the battle at hand. I get that. And it did work for me for the most part, but I ended up settling for just like one or two gambits per character, and that was it. Like, in my game, I had Fran and Ash and Pinello as my magic users. So Fran, I think, was the red battle mage. Ash was the black mage, and Pinello was the white mage. And with, you know, subclasses and everything that are associated with I think Ash was also the time mage. So there you have it. So I, I set up those job boards the license system all that and set up those but for the most part with those three they were just my magic users so like fran would cast thundera and ash would cast Fyraga, and Penella would cast cure whenever she could and that was pretty much it and i just could not find a lot of extra magic throughout the game like it was a struggle to figure out like okay i go into the shops as much as i can but which shop has what and everything and because the guides aren't necessarily super clear about this and you have to go through like an ign guide or like a different website entirely it's like nothing is super clear in what i'm supposed to do so i would just go find shops clumsily and i would see what they had and just buy whatever they could but because this game doesn't give you gill like at all when you defeat an enemy they only give you loot and you have to go through the loot system and sell all the loot for the different you know bits of cash that you can get and because you don't necessarily what's important like do you keep any of the loot do you just sell all the loot i don't really know so i'm just kind of guessing here and it's like yes a lot of this could be resolved by looking online but why should i have to look online to figure out whether these things are important or not i don't feel like the game really communicated a lot of the importance that you needed in order to understand some of these basic functions of the game. Like, I'm sure the loot wasn't really important, honestly. I kind of figured that out later on. But early on, you're like, why am I not getting any gill? And then that affects the items that you get, and that affects your ability to heal, or even getting, like, things like ethers out on the field. Like, ugh, it was just kind of, like, overly complicated in that PS2 way, but I don't recall other RPGs being this complicated, if you know what I mean. Like, Final Fantasy X wasn't this difficult to understand yeah it had the sphere grid but that was very straightforward at least for a lot of people i mean to me it was very confusing when i was a kid but i hadn't played a lot of rpgs at that point but it is a very straightforward system versus this is like okay setting up your gambits and everything okay i'll I'll figure this out somehow and i kind of just bumbled through the game with my three magic users and my three physical attackers and that was basically it 
that's all I did. And that was fine. It worked fine. Uh, yeah, but the complexity and everything with the automations, like, I don't really get this. This is a little too much for me. So the mechanics of the game itself were pretty complicated. You call me stupid. That's fine. I am. That's totally okay. But... I mean, not even Pokemon was this complicated when you had to do, like, Eevee training and Ivy breeding and figuring out which hidden abilities come from which parent. Like, there's a lot going on in Pokemon, but that was a whole lot easier figuring out the metagame for Pokemon than just figuring out the basic game for Final Fantasy XII, so, at least in my opinion. So that was the mechanics, but the story. The story as well is, like, I don't really know what happened in the story, honestly. It's very, very dense, very complex, very rich but very hard for me to follow. There were proper nouns every which way, interludes that I had no idea what was, they were talking about because I was like, I have no reference for this. Like, I don't live in this world. I don't understand, like, which kingdom, where, what part of the map is this? Like, I had to bring up the map a billion times, probably, just to figure out where in the world I was going and where everything is supposed to be. And I don't know. I'm just not necessarily much of an explorer in my RPGs, I kind of like the, you know, straight line, like, you know, the baby mode. I like baby mode. I like being told, okay, this is where you go. This is what you do. You can do this, this, and this as a side quest, but focus on this only right now. And this game does tell you, like, what the next thing is to do in a kind of roundabout way. But there are so many side quests, and there's so many people to talk to. And there are so many things that you can do. That's just like, I don't understand, number one, what the story is. But because, like, I don't know what's important to do next, it's like I kind of lost out on character development as well because, like, I didn't know what was important for me to understand with, like, which character and, like, what side quests helped to develop this character. And I'm not necessarily one to go off the beaten path. So if I have to do 27,000 side quests to figure out that such and such a character likes pineapples instead of apples, I don't know. Like, I think that's a bit too much. That's a bit too much to ask, honestly. So I just feel like this game isn't exactly user-friendly in either the mechanics or the story. And honestly, I couldn't tell you really the names of any of the villains because they all kind of just flashed by like way too quickly. Like it didn't really linger too much on that. And and obviously they gave the villains more development than pretty much any Final Fantasy game before that. But there's way too much going on. It's like it was too much and too fast. Like you had to really figure it out. You jumped into it and you got to be swimming or you're going to drown. And I drowned big time. And that 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 was that was complicated. I mean, there were there were things that I liked. I liked the, the, the job system. I thought that, you know, you just unlock these little license points and you unlock certain things on the board. And it, it took a little bit of getting used to, but it wasn't too dissimilar from the sphere grid. So I was able to figure it out. I will say, though, oh, man. The one big thing by the end that was just really frustrating, honestly, were the dungeons. Like, the dungeons throughout the game, the whole game, I should say, were hit and miss. Hit or miss, I should say. Hit and miss, hit or miss. I'm not really sure which one I really go for for this one. But, like, there were some that were, like, pure shenanigans. Like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. Why are you making me do this? Why can't I just go from point A to point B? Why do I have to go to A, B, C, D, E, F, G, etc all the way to z and there were some exceptionally high difficulty spikes in the different dungeons that just made things feel like i don't know how in the world anybody's supposed to survive this because the only way that you can really save reliably is at save points 
And those saves points were very sparse. It was really hard to find some of them. And so by the time you got to one, you were like, oh, no, I really need to grind here because if I go even two rooms from here and I die, then I have to go through the whole game over screen then I have to go all the way back to the title screen and then I have to reload my save. And that was just extra steps that were really unnecessary when it could have just kind of zapped you back to where you were if you wanted to or you know giving you an option do you want to go back to the title screen or load last save like really quick like those little quality of life features that i would expect in a zodiac age weren't there so it felt needlessly obtuse like trying to get back to where you were and at that point like there were several times where i would get a game over and i'm just like i'm just not interested in continuing right now so i'd put the controller down and then i'd move on to something else and that's what kept me from really getting back into this game because it's like it feels unnecessarily punishing when they scatter like hardly any save points around and items are hard to obtain because you don't realize what you can sell to get gill in order to buy the high potions and the phoenix downs which i ran out of all the time and then you know you could run around and regain mp for your magic users but like okay you still wanted to stick close to a save point just in case something happened so it felt really stifling in that regard so I don't know. And, and that last dungeon entire, like the entire last dungeon, I think it's the, the Pharaoh's dungeon where you're on the third or first, second and third ascents all the way till you get to the four or five bosses at the end. I can't really remember how many were. That was just, that was ridiculous. Like you start with a save point right at the beginning and there's like two save points, like the entire way. It's just like, yes, I know final fantasy dungeons at the end have to be ridiculous. Like that is like a rule that they do. Okay, fine. But this was, like, way overdone. And this was the Zodiac Age version that I played. Like, this is considered to be the easier version. And I was I was ready to throw my controller in rage. I was ready to say some, some bad words at this game because that's what it felt like to me. It was very frustrating to the point where it really did harm my experience with this game. And I, I hate to say that because it is a very well put together game. Like, it is a classic for a reason. There is a reason that people love this world. I am weird in that I don't enjoy it as much as the others. But that is just kind of like the long and short of it for me. Like it was not necessarily a very enjoyable experience. And again, I hate to say that, but it's kind of true. But anyway, that's Final Fantasy 12. You can tell me how wrong I am. Send me an email. Send me a message. Yell at me on the Internet. That's, that's, that's how it is. But that was my experience. Would I play it again? Probably not. Is this high on my list of Final Fantasies? Probably not. It's not going to be in my top 100 games of all time, that's for sure. And I think it's on the bottom half of the list for Final Fantasy for me. I hate to be that way, but that's how it is. So, sorry, just not a big Final Fantasy 12 fan. Thank you for listening to the Retronym Podcast. You can find me at Twitter with the username at Retronym, that's spelled R-E-T-R-O-N-I-M, and through email at theretronym at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and all of that other fun stuff. I don't even know what it is. You can also check out my other podcast, Henshin Dad, if you are curious about the wide world of tokusatsu. Thanks again for taking time to listen to me today, and until next time, keep enjoying the games that you love.